Bigger than cakes. Give me some outside. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it, and then I watched it. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. It's the end of May, I guess, and this is our end of May roundup, I guess. I'm Zach, and this week I'm joined by Angela, Matt, and Will. These guys, what's up? Shaking. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing good. (laughs) I'm also very good, thank you, bud. How are you doing? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. I'm I'm doing I'm going. I don't <laughs> Things continue. Glossop, Glossop has reminded me uh, what it's all about with a good solid downpour today after being in like sort of the high thirties uh, as of yesterday. It's it's important that you know that doesn't last. I think that we have a r- rain of enlightenment, a rain yeah. of awareness. As in the the heat yeah. the heat heat wave of spain in barcelona and then back to uh back to the cloudy gray of my homeland it, it's interesting that we've both been to barcelona within the last week but not together um, indeed but yeah really as we normally holiday it. together <laughs> oh we do yeah <laughs> naturally uh bigger than cape seaside holiday this summer yeah. <laughs> bogner this year oh. isn't it? it'll be lovely yeah. late august um pontins out of curiosity, did <laughs> did tiger mosquitoes try and kill you, or was that just me? Uh, just you, I think. We did. Oh, we were good, pretty, good. We were, we we're pretty lucky with the bugs. Like, was it as hot when you were there? Because it, it kind of got steadily and steadily more intense as we. Uh, it kind of fluctuated. I think the hottest we had was like thirty. Um, yeah, no, it got to about thirty-six. I think when we were there, it was. Uh, Don't need that. That's... No, <laughs> no one needs that. That's excessive. That's just too... There's a line, and it crossed that line. <laughs> it's just a toasty place to be. Isn't it? Isn't it just? Good, that though. Is. Oh, Great yeah, food. really good. Really good food. <sighs> well, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, we make the same jokes every week, but they're still funny. Also more relevant, mm. though. Like to us. Great, great comic shops as well. Yeah, yeah, they've got yeah. a, a lot of comic shops in not very much space as well. They're kind of packed in. Um, I went to one place, I had just a huge, like, black sad mural on the wall. Um, oh! Yeah. It made me de- deeply happy. Um, I sort of lamented over just flicking through all the books and thinking, like, I wish I could read any of this. <laughs> I thought you were just going to finish that with I wish I could read. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could. And you'd been why do you think I like the entire time. So yeah. <laughs> I just wait for you to explain what the book's about and then kind of pick up on context cues. <laughs> Otherwise, I've just been looking at the, the pretty pictures. I mean, if it ain't broken. Yeah. Yeah. Works for me. <laughs> so, anyone got any like news or such? Or should we just dive straight on in? I've got some brief news, very brief, which is that Valiant are releasing their classic collection and they're starting with yes. XM Manowar in June. They I mean, are. I've pretty much owned most of it already in various films. So. Surely your fault. I mean, are you going to duplicate? Do you need? Do you now need the re-release? 
the fact that I have some of them in the original 90s singles and in the collected hardback from whenever and in digital suggests that I don't have a problem with duplicating my copy. No, exactly. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did you buy any of the, like, random 90s trades? Because I know they didn't collect every arc. They just collected some. Because I, I, I've got a few, and I don't really understand why, because they don't tell a full story. They're just... But they exist, and therefore, no, I've always missed out on the trades. I did I did bid on a couple on eBay, and I got sniped. Who I got sniped by, I would like to know. Right here. Because I want to I I meet this person, and I want to know more about them. <laughs> Your soulmate. Everyone yeah. I've picked up seems to be like, look, it's issues 14 to 18 of Harbinger. It's in the middle of two story arcs. You don't know what's happening. Have fun. But... They're all like that. There's no like. Yeah. I can imagine a future where you're telling the story of how you met your partner and saying, "Oh no, we met on the internet. Oh, through a dating site. No, no, we were both bidding on." <laughs> no, the bastard stole my uh, <laughs> bloodshot. Stole my value. <laughs> Issue sixteen. Stole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sad but true. Yeah. That'll that'll be what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be the clincher. That'll be the clincher. Yeah. Yeah. I am curious uh, how much demand there is for that. Considering how easy it is to go and pick up Valiant singles and they've done the omnibuses and they did those kind of introductory hardbacks like in 2006 or 7 or something, I am curious who is left that is in desperate need of 90s Valiant that hasn't... And they did those USB sticks. They They did. Everything. Yes. Yeah, I remember them. And you can get them on Comixology. So who, who is the audience now? Aside from me, yeah, aside from me, it's just me. Like, I mean, some people like, you know, having the physical, like, originals, and that I get, I guess. Plus, all things 90s is in again, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, I finally feel slightly justified in my bad taste for once. Someone would you ever never out? Would you ever Mm. buy the new versions and turn over your originals for? I mean, let's be honest, moderate profit. For pennies. There would be I've got the foil covers. I can't give up my foil covers. It's no. Even for I think ten pounds. God no, because I spent more than that on some profit, of them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, that's the thing with Valiant. When you start buying 90s Valiant, you know you're paying more than anyone wants for them, than anyone yeah. would pay for them. You, you know yeah. you're digging your own grave, in, yeah. and it's made of aging, yellowing paper and unreliable funny. staples. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I'm glad well, some, I'm not Some of them are real shiny. Yeah, but some are shiny, yeah. There's some lovely foil covers there. Absolutely. I have at least two foil ninjak number one, so I could gift one to Will, and ultimately that would be the downfall, I think. Do you think that would be a gateway drug? That is a really pretty one as well. The ninjak foil cover is really, really pretty. Calling you at four in the morning. I've just spent 200 quid on (laughs) a huge box (laughs) of Valiant. Welcome to my world. You know, if if you're going to do that, I'm going to compete with you and try and get him into cross-gen. Ooh, yeah, which is harder to buy. You can all compete for my obsessions. I mean, there's. <laughs> I'm always tempted when I see like old turtles comics. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Actually, but, so 
I'll try and get him into cross-gen. Angela, you try and get him into 90s Valiant. Zach, you can try and get him into, I don't know, like Malibu comics or something. Oh, great. I get the challenge. Niche. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes. Yeah, so, oh, um, <laughs> so my my quick bit of news. Uh, new Trains, uh, Chainsaw Man uh, trailer um, came out a little while back. Looks incredible as expected um so everyone uh check that out uh hoping to try and do an episode when the anime itself actually uh comes out i'm gonna try and um conscript will again um to see how he feels about it uh, as an adaptation a pretty willing participant in that excellent so I guess uh, it's clobbering time. I guess it's time for us to do the the episode that we done do. Yeah? Let's done yep. do it. Yeah. Let's, let's done do it. Let's do done it. So as I say every month, and sometimes it's true, this week month fuck <laughs> this <laughs> this month this week month fuck <laughs> this, this month place. we are yeah. rounding up. <laughs> Three no fucking shit. <laughs> this month we are rounding up four comics from four different publishers. All indie, baby, all the time. As we <laughs> always do. Yeah. We don't always yeah. get four different publishers, so that is what well, that is worth. Yeah. Some of the words I've said are true. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. Ones? yeah. <laughs> Just reauthor them. <laughs> so I'm gonna introduce our first book which contrary to my notes is published by boom studios um which publisher do you think i wrote down comment below um dynamite <laughs> IDW. Uh, um so the f- <laughs> i thought dynamite because of the word boom boom baby boom um, goes the dynamite <laughs> so i'm going to be introducing Grim number one, chapter one, Don't Fear the Reaper. Written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated by Flaviano, coloured by Rico Renzi, and lettered by Tom Napolitano. Basically, this tells the story, or begins to tell the story, of Jessica Harrow, who is a Grim Reaper, and she, she done reaps Brian Michael Andrews, who's just died in a car crash. Um... He ain't too happy about that. Fair play. Um, and through the course of this issue, basically steals Jess's uh, scythe, bails, and heads to the real world where he is then pursued by Reapers. Uh, other Reapers include Eddie, who is a kind of uh, Eddie Vedder 1980... Not Eddie Vedder. Eddie Van Halen 1980s hair metal aesthetic man and marcel who just seems like a regular dude i I guess by comparison don't we all um (laughs) i quite liked this i i was interested because we've already had a pretty good i dare say fantastic grim reaper story in the last year uh in in carmen so i was kind of interested to see hot off of that 
which came out in trade like a week ago, what people would be doing with another Grim Reaper story. Um, I think Stephanie Phillips has done some really good comics lately, and, you know, that's a positive start, obviously. Um, I feel like this is different from Carmen in basically every way it could be. It's kind of fun and cartoony, but not too cartoony, if that makes sense. And I don't know. I, I kind of liked everything here. I liked the colours, liked the art, liked the brief moment where Jessica has a skeleton face. Big fan. I was about fan. to say, that was probably my favourite part of the book. Yeah, it's really good. And um, I think just Grim Reaper outfits that they have, the kind of black and red almost military style, except for Eddie, who is in a fishnet vest, if memory serves. Um, yeah, all, all kind of works for me. Um, it's just incredibly goth and, you know, hi. Uh, anyone else? Yeah, I, um, talking about, like, the costume design for it, I really loved kind of the variety on theme um, yeah. with it. How, like you say, they were, like, they they weren't uniform, but they all shared motifs and a mm. color like color scheme and stuff whilst still being um uniform enough that you would say, okay, yes, like these people all belong to the same uh thing. Like and skeleton face. Skeleton face was very good. Skeleton um, face forever. Yeah. Um Skeleton, skeleton face forever. Yes, I can't remember what the other ones were. Was it Zombie Beetles forever and Sax Mummy? Sax Mummy forever. Sax Mummy. <laughs> yeah. oh. Sorry, Matt. Please continue. Uh, no, I was going to just let because uh, both Andrew and Will had had their hands up. So okay. Also, the others gone. All right. So I too quite like this. Um, I really like the art. I like um, a lot about the art, including the design, as you've said, of the the various kind of outfits of the Reapers. I think the sides are cool. That's just a cool design. Um, I like that the sort of real world art is more pencily and shady mm. and that anything in either related to or in the afterlife is much more kind of like solid colors and a little bit more cartoony. Yeah. I like it's got that contrast. I think it's really good. Um, as you've mentioned, like there have been other Grim Reaper stories. I don't think the what we get so far is uh, more like a variation on a theme than it is like a, a, a completely unique idea. Um, and I think this issue suffers um, a bit of first issue syndrome of being a lot of setup, and I feel that the actual story is just crammed into the last two pages. I, it, I agree with that. As it tries to tell you kind of what's the reason you should keep reading the book. So I think there's a lot of like a lot to like about it, but I think it didn't necessarily get its story. It's like ongoing plot ideas across. No, I, I didn't think I was going to like it at first. Um, like I started this going, yay, another Grim Reaper book. Uh, but it kind of gets it together kind of about at the halfway point. Sorry, Angela. 
Hello. Yes. Um, yeah, I I would agree with Will. I I, I like it because it's it, the the setup is good. It is good way of doing setup, but it does feel because it's a really short book. I mean, it's what twenty mm. odd pages, and it feels like it could be a bit longer. Um, I will not comment further on the art because we've all decided art is good and that is correct. I will say what I did find interesting was like in the waiting room area where they're all sat waiting for their number to be called, you've got that giant globe mm. which has um, all the names rotating round on it. And I spent an awful lot of time staring at those names, trying to make sense of them. And some of them didn't seem to make sense. But I liked that. It was like a really nicely detailed touch that, mm. yeah, made it just feel a little bit more real-worldy. Um, but, yeah, I liked it because I like how it's a Grim Reaper story, but it's it's doing something a bit different Grim Reaper-y wise. Um, and it's not super serious because I adore Carmen, but, man, there's... <laughs> And you go through it with that book emotionally. So it's nice to have a Grim Reaper story where there's a little bit of humour in there as well. And also, Marcel is best dressed. End of story. Yes. Yes, he is. I like the variety in that department. You get an image where there's like a centurion, um, sort of like a, I don't know, someone from the sort of um, Spanish Inquisition, a cowboy... Yeah, uh, a guy in motorbike garb, maybe a nun. Like <laughs> you've got all sorts of reasons. Yeah, and, and a pirate, and a pirate, and a caveman. I think there's like tons of fun stuff you can explore there. Um, so yeah, visually, like super impressed. Um, yeah, just a not, pretty not... solid, pretty solid. Yeah, solid, solid's fair. I think my only kind of yeah. complaint was that. I think some of the backgrounds were pretty sparse, but I think we've accepted that that kind of is often the case when the foreground is so bitching. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think to be fair to the book, when it does backgrounds, it puts a lot of work into them. Yeah, definitely. Like, when we see like, the street in New York... Or the or sort of when they're crossing uh, sticks, mm. um, and the background is just like nothing but them being carried along atop, um, like soul, like people, yeah, um, and then a sort of red sky. It's there's a lot of clear, clearly a lot of work been put in there. But yeah, in other but in other places they kind of it, it's 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 much more relaxed, shall we say, than say yeah. those big moments, which, which does work. I think it yeah. it draws focus to you know the characters and the things that are happening, which not necessarily a bad thing. But I know we we often get hung up on the sparseness of backgrounds. Yes, mm. but um, the I I will always love. Um, just for a slight sort of filmic, um, like similarity, like just the um, when there's stylistic differences uh, between sort of the world of the living and the world of the dead in terms of the art, like um, like in um, Powell and Pressburger's uh, A Matter of Life and Death, mm-hmm. how it kind of shifts between 
the real world being in color um, and heaven uh, being filmed in black and white. Liking uh, villains, heads excellent adventure. Excellent adventure, yes. Um, and Brilliant. stuff like that, like seminal yeah. classics. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, and it was Bogus Journey, wasn't it? That you're thinking. Oh of? yeah. You're oh right. shit! Yeah, that's Bogus Journey. journey. Yeah. 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 A less seminal classic than the original, but <laughs> still a classic. I think they all can. Still a classic. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's me. So, on that bombshell, Angela, do you want to... Yeah. Brace yourselves. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) sorry. So, the next book is Archer and Armstrong 1 from Valiant, who may have been mentioned already today. Um, So, I'm going to mispronounce some names. The writer is Steve Fox. The art is by Marcio Ferrito. The colourist is... Alex Gamerez. The letterer is Hussein Otsmain Alahu. And the cover Oh, artist, that one you can do. That one I can do. <laughs> Very important. He's doing a lot of good work. And the cover artist is Bernard Chang, for those of you who, who wish to get in on the cover artist. So, for those of you who are unaware, this is the third Archer and Armstrong book since the reboot in 2012. Um, so the 2012 book was Fred Van Lente, which is still the the gold standard of Archer and Armstrong. Um, and, and maybe the gold standard of Valiant. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so that was followed by A&A, which we'll, we will not speak of A&A because it was terrible. So Steve Fox has come along and he's rebooting Archer and Armstrong. So um, Archer is Obadiah Archer. Obi to people he dates like Faith um, and he was raised in a cult uh, to kill uh, Armstrong there's a little more to it than that but that's the basic plot line um, Armstrong is actually um, Aram Annie Prada and he was given immortality by the boom so he's an immortal he's been drinking his way through history basically uh, but when he and Archie meet um, they you know, they have some misunderstandings, but they get together and basically they're best friends. They bring out the best in each other because Arch is a little bit uptight about life sometimes. Armstrong is morally iffy sometimes, mm. so <laughs> to say the least. So they work really well together. They complement each other. Um, but in this particular uh, story now, so, you know, they've been together many years. Um, Arch is used to Armstrong's various foibles. Uh, Armstrong gets into a fight with the gardeners of Earthly Delight who steal his bag, which that was an entire plot point in A&A. It's made me appreciate that plot point in this book, so thank you, Steve Fox. Um, so the gardeners of Earthly Delight attack and they slice off his ear, and normally his ear would grow back because he's immortal, that's how this works, but his ear is not growing back. Um, so Archer is worried um, that Armstrong is losing his immortality. Um, Armstrong's just like, well, I wasn't going to live forever anyway. I knew my time was limited. Let's just make the most of what we have. Um, I'm sure he'll have some sort of drinking breakdown at some point. Um, so Arch has decided he's determined to save Armstrong and keep him immortal because he doesn't want to lose his best friend. Um, meanwhile, the eccentric, who is a guy in a wheelchair who can't remember his nurse's name, um, he collects things and he is after collecting Armstrong 
Um, and we also have the Moor, who is a mysterious villain who licks blood. Um, <laughs> he's coming in next issue. So there's a lot of setup. If you're not familiar with Archer and Armstrong, I think this probably does quite a good job of introducing who they are and what they do. Um, particularly with Archer, because Archer has all these fancy moves that he does because he was trained to be an assassin. There's, there's, there's a whole other thing about how he ends up being able to mimic all these different fighting styles, but that's sort of in there. Um, so it's really nicely done for that. It, I think it's a good introduction. If you've not read any Archer and Armstrong before, I think you could start with this book if you wanted to. Um, also, I really like the art. It's slightly different to the normal Valiant House style, not hugely, slightly, very slightly. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's just some really nice bits of art in there, particularly when Archer's like trying to meditate and the sun's coming through the window. Um, and also, you know, it's good art when you draw Archer, sorry, Armstrong in his, his underwear. You know, you have to be bold to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's good art. It's good writing. It's it, it, I'm really excited to read more of this because Archer and Armstrong were my introduction to Valiant. I adore them as characters, and I'm really glad that they've got another shot, and I'm glad that it's well-written and well-arted. I was trying to keep it brief. I failed. Well done, me. <laughs> It was pretty good. Carry on. Uh, I, I I largely agree with everything Angela has said here. Um, I think kind of the Archer and Armstrong dynamic was struggled with a little bit in A&A, especially after Fred Van Lente kind of nailed it so much. Um, I think Elliot Rahal in... Um, Escape from Gulag 396 um, was like a shining example of understanding the kind of pairing. And since then, we haven't really consistently seen them represented. So it's kind of feels like this takes the best bits from Fred Van Lente and Elliot Rahel's work and runs with it whilst... Clearly the kind of tip of the hat to A&A without taking the things that perhaps didn't work as well from that run. It Thank took you. good bits, yeah. It took the good bits from A&A. Yes. And the, yeah. But yeah, I completely agree. Like It feels like a spiritual successor to the Van Lente run and pretty much ignores the events of, of A&A. It keeps the one good bit which is the single good issue in my in my opinion, which is the uh, Archer Faith date. Yes. Um, yeah. Even just the mention that, that that's still an ongoing thing fills my heart with joy. Yeah. Um, I think the art is is uh, is really solid throughout. Um, I don't think sure there's any bits of it that like sort of really blow me away, but I think it is um, like it's got a kind of fun, slightly goofy aspect to it, which I think really fits the characters. I think the design of the bad guy, the more, even though you only see him a little bit, but that's really creepy. He's yeah, like a little... the, that final page reveal of, yeah. kind of the, the teaser for the next month when you actually see inside his mouth and stuff. He's got a sort of gimp zip <laughs> and a really gross big tongue. Um, the story itself, I don't think is presenting anything like 
super new sort of immortal loses their healing factor and the idea of a collector like wanting to collect a a human a sort of superhuman mm. i think a, a stories that i've seen before but i think the you're right that the relationship is really good here between archer and armstrong which i think is the the core of the book um and it's got room to push out from those from those beginnings hopefully um I also agree it is a really good jumping on point. I think it touches all of the really important bits about the boon. The is it the Akashic Shield? Akashic Field. Yeah, like, yeah the Akashic uh, Record. Yeah. Archer's ability to uh, sort of tap into all uh what's it like all human memory? Yeah. Yeah, essentially, such. yeah. But yeah, was pretty much forgotten about in A and A as just being a thing. It just sort of stopped being referred to. Um so I think it's really good that they're bringing that stuff back um, and they focus on that a bit. I think it's a good start. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I'd, I'd like to see a few more like twists and turns, I think, to the story, just to expand on that a little bit. Yeah. I found myself like actually laughing at an Archer and Armstrong issue again, which was really nice after A&A. Like, um, made me just yeah just go like was this ever good and i had to go back and reread all my pendente and go oh wait yes uh but it was just stuff like final page uh reveal where you see like the eccentrics collection and you go and see um the cage basically for armstrong and it's got like it's like a gorilla enclosure it's got like the rope (laughs) and the little nets for him to climb and stuff and I was like yeah that you know stuff like that made me smile like um I, I I'm always up for like the weird gangs and weird like weird sect groups and non-sect groups like um and and just their their cool little themes that always makes me smile and just seeing some some of that sort of come back a bit was nice it felt weird to see a modern Armstrong who looked maybe a little bit too together at points, like a little bit too sort of handsome, almost. <laughs> um, I mean, if you think of his brothers, you know, I'm, I'm just oh, saying. Like, I'm just saying, like, don't get me wrong. Our Armstrong can be hunky, but, like, there are a few panels where I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is just like this is a hunky bear. Yeah, um, he needs a bit of a dad bod. Yeah, it's, it's not even a dad bod. It's just like I, but I, I liked this. I, I liked this show more than anything. It was just, I, I think that it's it when when I saw the message from Angela to the group chat, basically saying that it was really good. I was like, oh, thank God, because I was dreading reading it because I didn't want to be let down again. And Angela, like I say, you know, as everyone knows who listens regularly, being the big Valiant fan, like the biggest Valiant fan probably here. Um, probably anywhere. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, it was just such a relief. So we know we wouldn't make Angela cry. 
I'm so glad everybody liked it because that would have just made me so sad. Because it's a good book. Because my boys yeah. are back and they're good. And I've missed them. It has been a long time. It has been a long time. It's been yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Oh, Near enough. Oh, it, yeah, we are. Yeah. Have we hit the 10 year anniversary of the reboot? No, like very nearly. Because that's why we're getting. This is the year of Valiant, yeah. isn't it? But yeah. After the summer of Valiant and the, <laughs> um, no one else has mentioned it, so I'm going to jump in. Um, one of my favorite things in this was that when we see the first page of Archer, nope, of Armstrong running out of the bar, is that there's a bunch of the one percent dudes in dudes, the bar yeah. behind him. I just, yeah. I just like that. I remember from the original run, like some of the sect ended up being um, just hilarious by the end. They were like, what are they called? The Gnomes yeah. of Switzerland. Uh, Gnomes of Zurich. Gnomes of Zurich. And then there was those guys that just had like box heads that had emojis on them. Yeah. yeah. They were really good. Yeah, there were some quality designs in that. Um, I still love, was it the Null? Yes. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was their, the world, like uh, nothing... They had the great nothing. Phrase. Nothing is forever. Or yes, nothing, yeah. forever. Nothing, yeah. No, nothing is forever. I nothing think. is forever. Forever. Um, yeah. Which is the like the best way of telling you what this uh, this arc is. This um, is a little bit, just a little bit off the off the rails. But didn't they do that storyline twice? Like there was the one in with the null where they created a sentence that if you read it, you became infected Infected, with like null virus. Yeah. And then there was another story, I think in EXO or maybe Ninjak where they go up against Silk and he has also written. Um, I'm not sure if it's, is it not? um, Oh Christ. What are they called? Unity. Is it Unity? Oh, is it it one of the early volumes of Unity? Because it's definitely EXO, Ninjak and Livewire. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be Unity. 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 And Silk has also written a sentence that like he, he can use to take over people. Mm. Yeah, and, Look, and then everyone who hears it yeah. says that it justifies their hate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if it works as a Monty Python joke, <laughs> it works for a comic book plot in a yeah. sinister way. Yeah, actually, fair enough. You've uh, you've argued your corner, and uh, I can see. You. Thank you. What a corner to argue. It's <laughs> <laughs> not where I thought I'd be going with that. I'm going to use it more often as well. Well, if it yeah. works for Monty Python. <laughs> Yeah, and there's so, so much Monty Python that no one's ever seen that yeah. who's yeah. going to argue? You know, surely exactly. some of it's going to work. Yeah, oh, I said mean, that as if I don't like Monty Python. I do. A lot of it works. One of my favourite jokes in Family Guy was Peter. Oh God, and, and there's not a lot. Is Peter no. saying to Meg like, "I'm going to leave you a room in a room watching nothing but the unfunny Monty Python," and her going, "I'm a girl. I don't think any of it's funny." <laughs> it's really stuck with me. It's funny because it's. Funny. Well, if something was, if something from Family Guy was gonna have to stick with you, that's one of the less bad things that could, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's a, f- a fair comment. Like I, I liked those first three seasons when they came out, but I've hit myself with the memory gun um, <laughs> on as much of it as I can. I. There are but large I was chunks. like nine or ten. Yeah. There are large chunks of Family Guy I know I've seen, but I cannot recall, which I think says a lot. That's a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> it's Be like thankful. a trauma. 
American been... Dad, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> the Cleveland show. Now, that's where they hit their stride. <laughs> Seth, uh, Seth MacFarlane's cavalcade of cartoon comedy. <laughs> uh, finally, our spin-off show reveals itself. <laughs> What, just me talking about how much I fucking hate Family Guy? <laughs> and then we'll do occasional episodes once a month where we all talk about Ted every month. Oh, God. Uh, yet, my, yet my minute-by-minute minute Rats podcast. Ah, oh, <laughs> finally. It's been turned down. I like the idea of something where we watch, like there was a podcast where they watch the same film every day for or every week for a year. Uh, the worst idea of all time. time and, yeah. uh, I sort of like the idea of doing that. Maybe just with a, yeah. a particular issue of a comic and we'll just read it over and over again. It's that first, it's that second issue of A&A where it's... Oh no, no, the, the, no. The faith and action date just over and over. I feel like <laughs> this is one of the things that Grant Morrison was trying to warn us about. Um, like ever doing. <laughs> well, you, you make it sound like it. <laughs> you make it sound like Grant Morrison sent us a letter. It's <laughs> like, no, learn from my mistakes. Do you receive a letter when you were seven, addressed to bigger than capes, and it's traveling yeah. through time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Should we move on? Yeah. Take on a different quest, perhaps. Ooh la la. Maybe I shouldn't be introducing this with that with that level of segue. Um, but the book I am tr- introducing is called Quests Aside. It's published by Vault Comics. It's written by Brian Shermer. The art is by Alina Gogu. The colorist is Rebecca Nolte, and the letterer is And World Design. Um, it is all centered around a an inn run by Barrow, who is a sort of ex-quester. Um, and it's about the people in that inn and their relationship to the land and the sort of mystical creatures that come in um, and Barrow's relationship with King Dirk and obviously some past deeds that have, uh, will affect the future. I was, was really pleasantly surprised by this book because for some reason I can't really put my finger on, I just didn't think I was going to like it. Perhaps I think it sets itself up as a comedy, like it makes no bones about it. And I think comedy is one of the most so, sort of subjective um, uh, mediums to have in a in a sort of in a comic. And more often than not, it completely misses the mark for me. But actually, I found this really funny, and I thought the art is really good. Um, I think it has some like really clever bits in it. There's still a couple of um, a couple of jokes that don't, you know, sort of don't land, but there's a lot of them, and, and most of them do. I think it's got a pretty fun, like, varied cast of characters and sets up sort of the potential of what's going to come next. And uh, I, was, yeah, I was really drawn in by this. I uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. Yes. Um, one thing I struggled with was the sheer number of characters in this book. There are a lot, and they all do different things, and they've all got paths, and they've all got stuff going on. And I did find it at times quite hard to keep track of who was who and what was what. And yeah, I got some of the characters confused at points. I was like, oh no, that's not the one who wants to kill the king for that reason. It's the one that wants to kill the king for the other reason. Um, I will say I really enjoyed Ray the Skeleton. 
um, yeah. who is the chef. I thought he was great because, you know, more sentient yeah. skeletons We're in comics. We're always going to love skeletons. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's like Sax Mummy. Um, you know, you've got to like. do stuff with the bodies of the dead. Um, and also, you know, his, like, sentient cleaver, Clive, which is just the best name for a talking cleaver. And also it reminded me of Ac- the axe in Barbaric. Um, so I enjoyed that. I was like, yay, reference. Um, and it was funny, and I have to say my favourite bit was where those questers get you know, they're being warned by the bard and then they get crushed by the giant's foot anyway. And yeah, I was on board from that point. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it, but I just found it a little bit confusing with the massive cast of characters, all of whom are nicely designed and well-drawn though. So there's that. I agree largely with what you two have said. I was surprised, but I thought this was kind of fun, weird fantasy. Um, it immediately made me think of, there was another Vault fantasy series called, I want to say A Song for the Deaf, but I'm, I think it might be, I'm very concerned that's a Queen's ref. It it was either A Song for the Deaf, A Song for the Dead, something like that. (laughs) But then the sequel was Necromancer's Map. And there were like two of them. um, And then that just seems to have ceased to exist, which was kind of a, light-hearted, um, funny fantasy story about a kind of well-meaning necromancer and, you know, hilarity ensues. And I kind of got similar vibes from this, that it's all kind of light-hearted, well-meaning fantasy characters getting, you know, crushed by giants. Um, which appeals to me because I liked whatever that other one was called. And any takers on, if it, it, it was definitely like songs for the deaf, song for the dead, song for, yeah. Songs involved. Dead. I know Necromancer. about Necromancer. I've heard of Necromancer's Map. Well, Necromancer's Map was, Necromancer's Map, a song for the dead. Songs Story. for, yeah, songs for the dead. That would go. comics, yes. Which definitely is a Queens of the Stone Age song as well, but... <laughs> Can't help dip in the same well. Um, but yeah, v- very much this is the kind of dumb fantasy. Vault seems to really have nailed down the dumb fantasy Zach likes because this. <laughs> did we just say Songs for the Dead? We did, yeah. Songs and for the Dead. Barbaric are all fantasy yeah. that I'm kind of drawn to. Um, I think there was a lot of jokes, as Will said, some of them very good. Uh, I liked the first page or second page reference to uh, Jim Zub and Cyspheria. Yes. Yes. Um, Skull Kickers? Was Zub, wasn't it? That was Zub, I think, uh, I think so, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I like this. I think art good, jokes mostly good, premise good. Yeah, I would say like, one of my, the thing I actually kind of like about this is the, it's got the, it's, uh, it's got the kind of, we've got to save the youth centre um, vibe to it. It's like, these are the misfit um, kids um, from like the the, the, the the poor fraternity or whatever, like uh, going up against the slobs versus snobs mm, kind of yeah. situation and they're going to have to save the youth centre 
but it's got like the fantasy setting to it that's fun. Um, the kind of like really, really likable character designs and like, which is helped by, by how good some of the expressions are drawn in particular, like the face, the facials are really good. Um, like the, the bard, uh, for example, has like a few really excellent um, panels, like when um, the king's um, like entourage is leaving and he's he's going to play again, and is just like oh oh no, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's more hits than misses. But there are misses in here. It's not it, it it's not perfect by any stretch, but it's got enough characters who with enough tones to them um, that I think you can find something to like. Mm-hmm. Um, and enough, like I say, enough of the jokes hit, um, and it's having fun. With its setting, uh, like I, I do love the the, the gag uh, with the skeleton in the bed um, as as just an opener to the character. It's really fun. Speaking of jokes hitting, sorry, I had completely forgotten. Um, or comedian though. Oh yeah, so good. Um, crap, but so funny. Yeah. Um. I think it had earned it by that point. Like, I think it had sort of, it had built up its tone and what it was going for, that it can get away with something being a little bit cheesy. And I think it, it got it right. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Um, I think that alone is worth the price of admission. Um, I'm not saying pick this up just because there's two jokes from an art comedian, but on the other hand. I love the... Uh, the bard off that set set out like a like an anime fight, um, and that the king's bard has this like three necked loot. Yeah, that's just great stuff. Um, I don't know. There's lots of like little interpersonal stuff. Obviously, Barrow and King Dirk have a history. Vale wants to kill King Dirk for taking everything away from her randomly. Jodan's in love with Vale uh, with. Susanna, who's currently sleeping with Ray the Skeleton. <laughs> Some of the like, um, really cool art bits. There's a part where Vale is explaining to Barrow that she's going to become a spy. And for like one panel, it's Barrow sat at his desk and Vale obviously living this fantasy of working through tunnels and getting information. And Barrow's and his desk is in colour, but the background becomes like a grey scale. And I think that's a really smart way of um like showing the difference in what's going on um there's a storeroom which is obviously like a magical escher painting where everything's just randomly strewn about in this perhaps endless dimension that did actually remind me of archer and armstrong when we see the inside well specifically a and a when we see the inside yeah. of the, mag. Inside of the satchel, yeah. yeah yeah and one thing that i always really like when it's present and angela i'm surprised you've not mentioned it but the lettering throughout this is exceptional and i think the onomatopoeia is 
like perfect in in almost every example. I was I was going to mention it, but you beat me to it. Well, <laughs> I'm sure you're coming around. I mean, as we know, Underworld Design does good good lettering, um, and that that is that is also true here. My particular favourite is like when Susanna's waking up and raids the skeletons there, and she's like, "Ah, my God!" I just love the way that that just loops, mm-hmm. like to scream, and then. And then it sort of goes, oh, no, a skeleton in my bed, whatever shall I do? I just like the way that that is designed and lettered. But it's all good. I like all the bits with the with the bard where you get, as, as Matt was mentioning about the, when the king's entourage are leaving and he's looking all sheepish and it just says cord and the egg yeah. immediately puts a sound in my, in my yeah. head. <laughs> and then the, the king's bard gives him side eye Spider. and just says side eye. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. When it when it made me laugh, I really genuinely like laughed out loud reading this. Yeah, it was funny. Still on and, also on lettering, I did really like um, that. Anytime someone swears, it's kind of just little fantasy icons. Yes. So just like sh- um, shield, crossbone, sword, sword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also really good. I like. I think it's been mentioned already, but the setting of like, in most fancy stories, would be um, a place that you stopped at briefly and then moved on from. And I like that the the sort of the tavern inn has become the centre of the story instead. I think that's cool. Mm. And uh, and there's a ghost at the end. So bonus. So there. Speaking of ghosts, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you, Will. You're welcome. Um, I'm going to talk about I Hate This Place, written by Carl Starks, with art by Archon Topolin, uh, colours by Lee Lockbridge, letters by Pat, and sorry, letters by Pat Grosso. Um, so the, the book is largely about uh, Gabby and uh, Trudy, who are moving out to a farm that uh, Gabby has inherited uh, from her great aunt Marilyn, a woman who she only ever met once and had kind of a traumatic uh, experience with where she was forced to kind of like quickly uh, leave um, and has yeah never, never seen again until out of the blue uh, she inherits the land and their cattle. Um, she and uh, she and Trudy uh, move out and uh, find the kind of strangeness of the of the farmhouse. It's got you know, locks on both sides of, uh, of the doors, uh, all the doors. It's got like a safe room uh, with a with like a hundred with like hundreds of VCR tapes. Um, and like TV and you know big TV and sound system and soundproofed walls and then like night comes and they hear the cows outside and Gabby goes to investigate only to kind of see a ghost and experience seemingly how that person died and then realize oh it's not just a ghost it's dozens of them it's seemingly everyone who's died within this area comes back every night and they find a tape left by their Aunt Marilyn, which kind of lays out the rules 
that everything seems to operate under and what they're going to have to kind of live with now, maybe. There's also crime going on, and one of the people who come, who's come to help out on their farm, earlier on in the issue, we see murder, um, murder another person involved in a, in a crime with them. It's a really interesting horror book that kind of mashes together so many things and takes an approach where it's explaining just about everything so quickly and so early on. And the part of the horror of it almost comes from the fact that the characters know the rules and are going to be, and like have had all of this explained to them and kind of the, the finality of the fact that they feel like they, you know, that we've been told, well, they're just going to have to live with this. It's like, there's a line um, about this. That's uh, that's like, we learn to live, uh, to just live with all the nonsense. It's not easy, but if you follow the rules, you'll be safe. And then it's, no, I'm sorry, you'll never be safe, but you will survive. And it's just this kind of, that this having to accept that. For sure. Um, I agree with a lot of you, what you said there, man. Uh, I particularly want to pick up on, as you say, this sort of <clears throat> mishmash of horror tropes or sci-fi tropes or crime tropes or like it's got aliens it's got a horned monster it's got all sorts of stuff going on um i think it 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 deals with the material like quite seriously but it still feels like like it has a little tongue-in-cheek throwing all of these things together on this Uh one one little farm which i think is really fun um you mentioned it explains a lot really quickly and i agree but I also think it's done like quite masterfully. I think you get a lot yeah, of exposition. Yeah, but you get to know these two main characters just through like idle conversation. It never stops the story or stops the kind of momentum to just explain what's going on. Um, and as you say, you get the rules through this videotape. So it always feels like the 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 action is telling the story, and it's not just the writer saying, "Right here, this is what's going on." Um, I thought the flow of it was really great. I think the art's pretty cool. I think the colouring especially is like really, really nice. Um, can I just say, like, yeah, I know Angela's going to say it almost certainly, but lettering. It's another high bar for lettering. Damn it. I was, there you go. There goes my point. <laughs> I think one of the things that surprised me most about this is that it's kind of all the things you expect from a Kyle Starks book, but not in the way Kyle Starks does yep. them. Um, like in the opening scenes with the kind of criminal meetup, we get kind of the, you know, over the top out of the blue violence, uh, the gun crime, the, uh, you know, classic sleazy criminal types. And then the kind of, weird just general weirdness which i think is in every every one of kyle stark's books is weird even when it's kind of quite a straight story i think there's a weirdness to it i think the weirdness here is just taken on the very 
over the top supernatural. Hey, ghosts, UFOs. There's, there's no world's greatest assassin in this. Not yet. But, you know, it's this is the first issue. There's still time. We, we don't know a lot about Itchy. Itchy could be oh, right up there. Um, but I, I like that it's still the things Kyle Starks always does, but kind of presented in a way that feels different from the way he would normally do it. I also think it makes a huge difference when he works with another artist. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't remember, I love his art, but I think when he works with someone else, it kind of changes the tone quite significantly. Uh, and art is re- really good here. Art and colouring, lettering, as we've mentioned, all really, really good. Yeah. Yes. All good. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to repeat what everyone else has said. <laughs> um, I will say, I have to say, Props to Kyle Starks for writing an interesting relationship between Gabby and Trudy. Yeah. Because that is, a, you know, because you've got Trudy who's like the tough survivalist. And yeah, she still likes her orange cupcakes. So that's nice. But it feels a very real relationship. It doesn't feel like, oh, here are two characters who are together just because they're together. It feels like they do know each other. They've been together for a while. And all their little couple interplays set against this sort of weird, horrific background. Um, I think they work really well. And even though it's, you know, it's causing a bit of tension between them, like you can't leave the farm now. That's you done. Um, I like that it, it doesn't completely, you know, Trudy doesn't just stomp off and go, fine, you live here, but I'm leaving, which would have been like the classic tropey yeah. cliche. Um, yeah i like that that doesn't happen and i yeah i really think that that's for me that's sort of more of an interest is the fact that you have these two interesting characters in their sort of relationship and how that is gonna develop in the face of you know a crazy guy in the woods that don't don't go near the horned man uh run away (laughs) so yeah no all all good yeah, to, I didn't really touch on the art in um, my bit, but I love how um, like no two characters look alike, even down to like body shape and like musculature. Mm. Like mm. how Trudy, whenever she's like lifting anything heavy, you actually get to see the kind of definition uh, and stuff. Over it. It's not afraid. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, you know, she doesn't have the same body as uh, Gabby that's kind of and that's like a thing that a lot of people fall into when draw like particularly drawing women is that they'll have exactly the same body type and all that sort of stuff all that and they'll like avoid Just different colored hair yeah and like you know like avoid showing like muscle definition because someone's supposed to be like conventionally attractive to, to what they think the average consumer is going to kind of want so getting to see that sort of stuff and just like I I think that uh, Adrian may have one of the best fucking sleazy guy designs, like sleazy criminal guy designs I have seen in forever. I just look at him and I hate him so much, but I can also see how a person could like him. You know what I mean? That sort of charisma 
mm. um, that's, yeah. that's there that also tells you to run away. <laughs> um, I think it's just an interesting like insert into the story because on one way or the other, yes. he's either going to be trying to murder them while they're also running away from ghosts <laughs> and aliens and horned people, or he's going to become our like best bet for survival. Yes. And they're going to have to team up with him. And mm. either one is going to be fun. Yeah. Cause like there's clearly so much room for character conflict, like even between like Trudy and Gabby, but we also know that they're not just going to abandon each other at the first sign of actual conflict between each other, which makes this great because I can, I can say, yeah, we're going to actually get to see them argue and get to see them work things out between them and figure out whose approach and see how their relationship actually kind of functions um, under those sort of stressed times. Yeah. And, and yeah, just like the lettering for once again, like sound effects and stuff, there's a particular sort of pair of panels um, that I really love where we just, uh, where, where we just see like rattle, rattle, rattle written all over. And it's like taking over the panels and it's this, almost like chalk style letters that kind of feels like some someone sort of pushing and scratching against a, a window that's like older and might have that little bit of give to it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Really good book. 10 out of 10. <laughs> I'm not sure I have much more to add. <laughs> um. Not, not a lot, really. Um, I think we've kind of covered everything I had to say. Yep. So uh, are we moving Ready on to, to our kind of wrapping up section? We're going to order them. Suppose we have to, don't we? Suppose we must. I think mine is separated in like two lots of two. There's a top half and a bottom half, but... They're, they're all really close this month. I don't. There's not a book I've disliked, and I think my ordering is going to come by way of like just tiny, tiny criticisms. Mm. Yeah. This is um, all by way of setup by admitting to Angela that my fourth place is going to be Archer and Armstrong forever. Right. I'm. I'm never speaking to you again, Will. In, well, I didn't know it was just, worth you know cracking oh. a friendship over, but there we go. Oh, damn it. Um, my only real criticism is I think like it, the, the story's not incredibly inspired. Um, but I really like the relationship between the characters. I think the art is decent, but again, probably not my favorite of the, of the four. Um, if it's all right with you, I'll, I'll keep going. Carry on. <laughs> Please continue. I yeah. I can't actually murder you via Skype. I just but, wanted to yeah. get that admission no, out of the way before we started, because if, if I let it sit in the room, it'd really have uh, just just really have rotted. Um, the other one that I think is kind of similar for me is Grim uh, number one, Don't Fear the Reaper. I think that the art, I think I prefer just a little bit more than, uh, than Archer and Armstrong, but I think kind of have some similar criticisms about the story or... I mean, in this one, maybe sort of a slightly the lack thereof at the moment, but the designs are really cool. The actual art and colouring and everything is really good in that. 
my second place, and again, these two are really, really close together. Um, but my second place is going to be um, I Hate This Place, or as I prefer it to be called, Fuck This Place, because I love it when books say their own name and, and uh, Trudy says, Fuck This Place. So that's what it's called now. Um, the only reason I think I would separate out Quest Sides as my number one is that my expectations were sort of inexplicably low for that. And uh, I really, really enjoyed the sort of surprise of the comedy hitting for me and I think a lot of really cool ideas for a fantasy book. Mm -hmm. And that's me. That's my four. Mm -hmm. Shall I go next? Let's go. Let's go next and redress redress the balance of will. Um, so, um, they are all really good, and it is quite close. Um, but the bottom one for me, I'm going to say Grim, purely because there's not enough of it. Um, it's 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 pretty. It's a good setup. It's got interesting plot. I want to see where it goes. But I did feel like this could have been another ten pages quite happily, and therefore that's why that's there. And then I'm going to be controversial in three, and I'm going to put I hate this place. Not big, I know. It's probably better written than the other two, not going to lie. Um, the art is also excellent. The lettering is also excellent. Um, and it's really good, and it's fine. And, you know, the relationship between the characters is interesting. But as anyone knows, I'm not a massive horror reader. I'll probably read more of this just because it's Kyle Starks. I mean, Zach's shaking his head. To be fair, I've read more horror in the last three years than I've read in the previous ten. So there's that. <laughs> I am possibly now becoming a horror reader. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's really, really good. And to be honest, I could have swapped this with Quests Aside, which is my number two, quite easily. I flip-flopped through this entire conversation, to be quite frank, what order those two are going to be in. Um, so if you'd asked me in five minutes, it may very well have been a different order. Um, Quest Aside was very confusing in terms of the number of characters, but I do like me some fantasy comedy. And it has a lot of fantasy comedy, and it has a skeleton who is a chef. And that's, I'm going to put that's purely the reason. And he's got a sentient cleaver called Clive. That's kind of sold it to me. That's just edged it over I hate this place. Ghosts versus skeleton. Skeleton every time, I'm afraid. Um, number one is probably no surprise to anyone. Because <laughs> it's going to be Archer and Armstrong forever. Um, because Archer and Armstrong have a very special place in my heart. And... I don't care about the plot particularly. I care that it nails the dynamic between them. It nails those two characters. It nails the essence of Archer and Armstrong. Yeah. Um, Steve Fox has, has written a load in the back of Valiant Comics saying, you know, that he got into Valiant through that 2012 Van Lente run. Um, and I can very much associate with that. So, yeah, for me, I'm just really pleased that there's an Archer and Armstrong book that I can enjoy and hopefully look forward to each month, which has not been the case previously. Um, it's even made me retroactively like some of the aspects of A&A, like the bag. I mean, I always liked the faith dating Archer thing, but yeah, you know, even stuff like the bag and little asides like that. So, yeah, that's number one. 
but they're always my number one, so no surprises there. Oh, that's a very sweet way of putting it. <laughs> so now the silence off. <laughs> Fight. I can go. I can go next. Um, so yeah, this is a legitimately. Like, we've all said it, but this is a very hard one. Um, my number four. Uh, I'm going to go grim. Um, again, it's probably going to be very good, and there are little bits. Well, there are lots of little bits of this book that I really enjoyed. Um, but I would agree with Angela and say there's not quite enough of it. Um, I could have done with a bit more. But like I say, like from being someone who on the first couple of pages was not excited to being like, oh, okay, I would like to see where this goes, like, and being much more invested uh, in it than, yeah, by, by like, yeah, by, like, page, like, 10. Um, you know, it's, it's got a lot of potential to be something, to, to, to be something really good. Uh, then this is kind of like complicated, but I am probably going to say Archer and Armstrong only because I would actually put it higher because I am so unbelievably happy for this book. Um, I've wanted this book for so long. I've wanted a good Archer and Armstrong book again. But, like we've done in other months, it's coming back to something. It's not necessarily something uh, something new. Um, and we've previously kind of... That's kind of not things before. And, I'd, and, like, so, whilst this is great and, like, could easily kind of be much higher if I wasn't taking that into account. I'm going to put it there because like, but it makes me so unbelievably happy. You like, I, I don't think anyone at home can kind of comprehend how, how happy we all are to have good Archer and Armstrong again. It's great. Please read it. Please support this book. Um, like, yeah, I am so happy. Uh, then number two is quests aside. Um, I again, I, I'm not necessarily sure it's as good as Archer and Arm as good as Archer and Armstrong. Um, but it's funny. It's charming. It's trying something. It's trying something. Um, and again, it's something that could have very easily missed and at points it does, but it does so much that enough of it hits for me to really like it and to want to give this weird little book, uh, this weird little comedy book a chance and to kind of hope that it finds an audience 
and to kind of yeah just yeah i i, I really liked it uh good book good fun funny skeleton sax mummy um and yeah so obviously in first place uh is uh i hate this place or yeah fuck this place um this book rules um it's got as weird as it sounds this could maybe see this becoming my favorite kyle stark's book if this is good and it's so it's like like zach was saying earlier like it's simultaneously such a kyle stark's book and does so many things that starks does without at the same time being another Kyle Stark, being like just another Kyle Stark's book, um, it's doing a lot. Um, and it's, I want to know everything that's going to happen. I want to see these characters um, interact, and I want to see them be thrown into these situations and how they're going to come out of them. Like what? What are they going? You know, what's it going to be like? It's, it's a great situation where they know what they've got to do to just survive, but it's about how they're going to try and make the choice instead to live. And I can't wait to find out. Deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So. Zach, baby. Uh, in fourth, I'm going to go Quest Aside. Um, yeah. I like Quest Aside. I like the, the precursor, in case you've not heard it enough. Um, these <laughs> you are hate all, good. all four of these books. <laughs> hate them all equally. These are all good comics. Um, they're all good first issues. I think every day you asked all of us, we would all come up with different lists, except Angela, yeah. who, you know, uh, is contractually obliged to <laughs> pay his action. I'm I, yeah. <laughs> I have um, to. Yeah. Uh, quest aside, for me, I, I like I like what it's trying to do. I think it suffers a little bit because I have read whatever that comic's called, Song for the Dead, Necromancer's Map, and, and was quite into that, and I'm not getting any more of it. Um, I'm going to keep being sad about it because I was into that. Um, and I think I'm just generally not a fantasy guy. So, sup. Uh, but it is good. It, it looks good. It's funny. Reads good. Written good, like. It's just good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, three, I'm going to go with Grim. I like Grim. Grim is aesthetically cool aesthetically goth uh a different take on grim reapers which you know i'd like to think it'll be up there with the greats uh the grim adventures of billy and mandy uh carmen yeah. others are available i'm sure uh, um, you already mentioned bogus journey earlier oh, of course the best incarnation of death uh you know sandman can suck it because <laughs> bill and ted did a better death Fight me. He plays bass and raps. Come on. And Twister. And oh, Twister. God. Mm. That rap is so bad. 
Maybe the king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later you dance with the reaper. reaper. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had better things to do with my time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, In two, and solidifying this is appearing in everyone's list in a different place. I'm going to go Archer and Armstrong. I I like this Archer and Armstrong. I had a good time. I think I'm going to continue to have a good time. It's funny. It is <laughs> it is everything I want from Archer and Armstrong. However, and on the risk of this being like an apocalyptic event, I agree with Matt. Um, I'm just looking out my window for the horseman now. <laughs> I hate this place. Fuck this place. It's just a really good comic. Um, I think it ticks a lot of boxes that not a lot of comics do in being kind of all-out supernatural horror weirdness, but also having a, uh, having LGBTQIA representation at its core and... Um, how much re- just yeah just how much representative kind of weirdo horror do we get and the answer is few um especially with a kind of cattle farm at the center of it and this is this is just a very zach thing and it's kyle stark so i think at some point it's just gonna get real fucking funny oh yeah i just i can't figure out how um like part so, yeah. of me thinks it'll be funny in a Sam Raimi kind of like sheer violence and ludicrousness of it. Yeah, more fighting like, your own hand kind of way. I feel you. Yeah, sort of tongue in cheek rather than outwardly. Like he's not he's not going to have another fuck Tarkington. No, it's going to be absurd when it's funny. I feel like, and then like occasionally kind of glib. Mm. 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 Yes. Glib. Good use of glib. We don't do that. A <laughs> Very lot. good use. <laughs> um, no, I I agree. I think it's gonna perhaps not take the overblown Kyle Starks approach that some of his other things do, um, which might again be a. Is Kyle Starks growing as a person? Is that what this is? He's growing as a writer. <laughs> He's like um, seven foot tall. <laughs> just a really good month for new comics. I This isn't even everything. There were other books that looked really interesting. Uh, Twig looked pretty cool. Uh, Metal book. Metal games? Uh, th- it- those words fit. That's what it's got. Metal society. Metal society looks yes. interesting. Um We've got the return of unnatural. There's there's a lot of first issues that I think have a lot of promise, and we appreciate all three of those were from Image. But you know, you get my point. Um, there's been a lot of interesting things come out this month, and unfortunately, we could only cover four of them. But I think there is plenty to go at. Yeah, comics are good. Solid. Comics are still good. It turns out each month we ask the question. Yeah, and occasionally we get the an- we get a good answer. Yeah, sometimes the answer is so, nah, not so yeah. much. <laughs> Some and well, then sometimes time, we get a month. Sometimes time. you get a month yeah. like this that just kind of 
reaffirms that comics are, are good. People will remember May of 2022 as the month that comics were good. <laughs> Um, nothing else about one, me. One nope. bit of news. One bit. One bit of news that's just got me excited uh, is that we've just got the first, um, the first union at a large, uh, a large scale U.S. video game developer. So I'm very happy right now. Um, like we're that getting is good news. The, yeah. Um, hooray! Unfortunately, I'm going to have to edit that out, Matt, because of course you know the news comes at the start of the episodes. <laughs> 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 well, at least you can say it again next month. <laughs> you're the next I, time you're allowed to speak. I don't say it enough, but I love you guys. <laughs> I tolerate you too. Yeah, you yeah. don't say it enough. <laughs> Expect it. A text message once a day when I wake up, please. I'll I'll kiss you on the forehead <laughs> and, <laughs> and and tuck you in and tell you I love you. There we That's go. That's I've been missing. Oh. Um, so I'm going to say it now in advance uh, Angela will be covering the rest of Archer and Armstrong over at biggerthancapes.com so tune in for those I've already covered issue one so if you want more of my insane babble about Archer and Armstrong you can read it in text (laughs) form if you want a thousand words on the subject that is available now it was 1200 at one point I, I cut it down slightly Something to think about. Uh, as always, we have a coffee page if you want to give us money to spend on coffee. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Still not really looked into the logistics. Um, and we'll be back next week, I guess, for another exciting whatever it is we're talking about. It'll um, be a comic. It'll involve a comic in some way. Or Assuming or, they're still yeah. good by then. They, yeah. yeah, that's a good question. What if Maze used them all up, you know? That's it. What if there are no good new comics? Mm. Or no good comics? Not even new. What if, like, even the old ones turn bad? Yeah. They do go off after a while. (laughs) So, why you keep them in the fridge? Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Every comics fan has an industrial sized freezer. Yeah, whenever I go to book, whenever I go to book club, I take mine in a cool bag. Just got to keep it fresh, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shall we finish before <laughs> we but, somehow get get even sillier? I was going to launch into how I like cured my comics, but yeah, you're right. Let's <laughs> yeah, give them give a nice salt rub. <laughs> yeah, let's just draw a line under it there. I know. I, I mean, sometimes I soak my comics in vinegar and uh, and jar them for the winter. See, it's pilot high with sugar. <laughs> So, we've been Angela, Matt, Will, and Zach collectively. Before we put this, before we put this podcast into the cryo chamber to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> and we will continue to be. Yep. yep. Somehow. This has been bigger than capes, and remember, the comics are bigger, bigger than, than capes. capes.